0: business growth show is sponsored by Leadfeeder by dealfront most of us b2b companies invest a ton into ads content and marketing all to get prospects onto our websites but you probably know already on average just two percent of those hard-earned visitors are going to convert into leads and leave their contact information that means a whopping 98 percent of visitors are vanishing never to be seen again Leadfeeder fixes that problem With Leadfeeder, you can identify the B2B companies that visit your website, add them to your CRM, and empower your sales team to strike warm conversations with dream clients. Stop missing out on website opportunities and turn page views into pipeline. Grab a 14-day free trial of Leadfeeder at leadfeeder.com, that's leadfeeder.com, or visit the link in the description below. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning. And if you want to check out my week daily emails, free playbooks, resources, and if you're ready, you want to apply to work with me, head over to samdunning.org. So today, I'm joined by Pasha Urshad. Pasha is the co-founder over at Shape and Scale. Pasha, welcome to the show, sir. How are we? Hey, it's great to be here. Good man, good man. Looking forward to The converts. the first guest episode we've done in a while since the kind of summer break. I've been messing around with solo episodes on various B2B topics. So looking forward to diving in with a guest. Hopefully I can ramble a bit less and have some of your expertise (laughs) on on today, sir. So um, we're going to be diving into how B2B companies can now rev ops, revenue operations. Get stuck in straight away. For anyone that's not too familiar with RevOps, has maybe heard that term flying around on LinkedIn or somewhere else. What what's the crux of it? What's like a high level overview of what RevOps entails, Pasha?
1: Yeah, it's funny. You know, I was at Inbound last week, big HubSpot conference in the U.S., and was joking a lot with people that RevOps has you know thirty different definitions. I think the most common one that we hear or you might hear is the alignment of sales marketing and customer service to drive revenue growth. Um, Mm. You know, you you hear about unification, breaking down silos, all of those different things. I think from my standpoint, uh, the way I like to describe it is really more around the data aspect. So it's aligning those departments to agree on uh, data that allows us to make predictable decisions that affect revenue, right? Because, you know, a lot of my clients, you know, when you're running demand gen programs, you really need to understand how those conversion rates look, right? What is MQL to SQL, SQL to opportunity? What does that look like? And then how can we adjust based on that?
0: Got it. Got it. So basically using the data from each team, whether that sells marketing operations, MQLs, SQLs to inform kind of what's moving the needle, what's driving revenue um, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So... When it comes to RevOps, is it something that kind of startups or B2B companies that are fairly new should be even thinking about? Or is it typically for later stage businesses?
1: Yeah, that's, again, another really good question. Um, you know, I, I consult for startups, um, and I actually do it with another another group of people outside of my business. We've just been testing a the theory that we have out. And it's interesting, when we look at, like, founder-led I would say obviously not, right? Like at that point, you're just trying to get your 10 first customers. You're trying to do things that don't scale. You're basically trying to find product market fit. I think once you reach product market fit and then you start to explore go to market fit and you have that idea of doing things that are repeatable, that help you scale to get to 10 million and pass that, then I think revenue operations obviously plays a part, right? Now, when that first hire is made, that's a decision that really really has to do with just the direction for your company and when you think it's relevant like i would say um you know there's more important hires probably like from a marketing perspective maybe from a sales perspective i think jacks of all trades are or let's call it generalists are very important at earlier stage startups because you don't want to hire somebody that's too senior right we call that the cufflink hire Cufflink hits the table they don't want to do anything that's winning by design quote um but i do think as we move forward and i think we see it on linkedin there's a lot more people that have cross functional expertise and cross functional curiosity so i would just say like even if you're not necessarily hiring somebody from a revenue operations perspective there's small things that you could do and i honestly think truly skilled marketing leaders should have the ability to kind of look at the tech stack right understand why they purchase something understand if it's being used and then Mm. when you're ready to kind of hire there is some type of like framework there and again i use the term framework loosely
0: yeah i think that might be quite useful actually for our audience like if we could look at this from when it goes to founder led so when you're perhaps running a bootstrap company maybe it's just you maybe it's you and a couple others and you're essentially, like you say, a jack of all trades, just like I've been in various businesses where you're running the marketing yourself, you're running the sales yourself, you're probably delivering the services or product yourself. Um, <laughs> like what that looks like from a RevOps kind of trying to manage or manage all the data yourself right through to when you've scaled to X amount in revenue, whether that is, I think you said 10 mil or so when it's more relevant um, and how how that changes when it comes to actually the ability to hire people and take more control.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, let's just use like zero to 1 million, 1 million to 10 million and 10 million and up. I mean, zero to 1 million. Um, I was just on another podcast the other day and I was, you know, saying like, if you're really sussing out a um, like CRM at that point, I think it's a waste of time. Right. Like you can probably just get behind a spreadsheet when you're founder led, you know, you're under 1 million especially if you're going after bigger fish, right? Like I've just recently met with a company, healthcare space, um, you know, two founders selling enterprise. Really there it's about kind of getting people just into some type of beta program, beta customers, getting data back from them. And so really there, like it would be wrong, in my opinion, to even focus on that. But once you hit 1 million and you start to scale, usually what helps you scale are people and technology, right? The third pillar of that is going to be process. And I think that's where RevOps really fits in. So, again, if you bring on HubSpot, like a lot of my clients do, at that point, you got to make a decision who owns HubSpot, right? You start assigning ownership. If you bring on an account executive, are they working in HubSpot? Um, Have they used Salesforce before? If you bring them onto your team, how do you integrate them into your systems to make them successful? Because that's the biggest thing, right? It's like, People hire, VC pressure comes in, we need you to turn around results in six months, but if it's taking three months to get smarter than a piece of software that helps you do your job better, I don't know, it, it just doesn't make sense, right?
0: Yeah, let's dive a bit deeper, and I'm, I'm very much the same as you, like, I'm, I'm terrible when it comes to CRM, like, I run a lot <laughs> of our stuff off Google Sheets still, just yeah. because that's what I'm used to and i guess in, in the past i had a nightmare with crms never really getting on with them and never really taking the time to integrate everything and sync everything up so yeah like most of my pipeline sheets my client sheets are ran on trello and then everything else is just yeah. google sheets and a mishmash of google drives <laughs> so <laughs> which is probably the worst example but when it comes to the um the first stage kind of naught to one mill when you're scaling up from perhaps founder-led or a bootstrap situation what are some of those, if you are keeping everything on spreadsheets from a revenue operation side of things, what are some of the key metrics that you encourage founders to keep a tight grip on, to keep a, keep a tight eye on, and, and kind of measure until you're ready to go to that CRM stage and hire? Yeah,
1: I mean, that's a good question. And again, it kind of depends on the business model, but I mean, sure. look, for a CRM, and if you think about just the if you think about it from like an object objects and properties perspective let's take financial aside I mean obviously as you know you're going to be worried about you know the accounts that you're going after who are the decision makers at those accounts when's the last time you've reached out to them when do you need to reach out to them again Um, just everything around kind of that um, sales process and that flywheel right Mm -hmm. as as we talk about financial that becomes a different story. If we're a SaaS operation, it's going to be the things that, you know, everybody should have a pretty good idea of, but you're worried about lifetime customer value. You're worried about CAC payback period. You're worried about customer acquisition cost. Um, again, at founder led that might be a little bit early, but generally those are the metrics that are going to tell you about the health of your business. Um, I would say founder-led, it's probably a little bit less of that. Maybe it's just like, you know, again, you just want to know revenue in, revenue out, number of customers. And then as you get
0: past that, you know,
1: if it's, and again, if it's not SaaS, well, then that becomes
0: kind of a different story. Sure, sure. And how does that change? Like in the example you gave, once you get to that 1 million annual revenue stage, when you then look at things like implementing a, a CRM, onboarding more hires, whether that's marketing sales or elsewhere, how should things change in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it it depends how you think about it. I like to think about it as what's gonna be your system of record, right? So my cat is gonna walk across this. (laughs) Uh, The system of record is going to be usually your CRM, right? Um, It's going to be maybe marketing automation platform. And then what sits aside, what sits alongside that, right? So like any type of data solutions that you have from like a data integrity, that could be business, BI, um, you know, anything like that. And then you have usually your point solutions or standalone apps, something like a Calendly, take care of your schedule. When you look at those three things, right? Just like System of record, the platform, the customer facing platform is usually going to be your most expensive purchase. Um, I think the reason HubSpot, I'm a partner and it does so well, is simply because of the fact that it plays so many different parts of the customer journey. It's come from a marketing automation platform 70 years ago when I first started with them, all the way to basically servicing marketing sales and success. And I don't say that as like an ad for them, it just really helps. Companies that are looking to scale, have everything in one database without having to add a bunch of other things. Um, I think it's really just like understanding your goal, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are our goals? Um, You always start with that. What is our vision? Um, I literally just got off a phone phone call where the founder said, hey, like we have short-term goals, but then we want to make sure anything that we plan for today fits our long-term vision. So when we're doing tech stack consulting, we usually have a roadmap, right? And that roadmap is mapped to revenue growth or desired revenue growth. And then how are the systems, platforms, technology we have in place today going to help them to do that?
0: Got it. And how do you advise that companies kind of spend their time? Because you probably know better than most that you can, when it comes to analyzing data, whether that is average customer cost, whether that's annual revenue, whether that's your your pipeline, whether that's what your team's up to, whether that's your forecasting, you can easily spend hours or even days stuck in the data and planning short-term, medium-term goals. How do you balance that between actually doing the work your day-to-day to to bring on new customers, enhance existing customer experience, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. The answer is kind of boring, but I'll start with An answer. I'll I'll start with something, right? Like, one thing I see when I go and I audit, um, you know, HubSpot instances for, again, let's just say like one to five million, we'll go into HubSpot and we'll see, I don't know, five to 10 super admins. And then I go into the reporting section and I see 30 different reports. Salespeople have reports, marketing people have reports. Then I look at dashboards and those dashboards are all over the place, right? Right there is a great way to completely take your organization off course because. There's no single source of truth from a data perspective. Um, It's an overused cliche term. I get that. But I think what it really comes down to is departmental alignment, right? Having biweekly meetings, having some type of monthly meeting, quarterly meeting, being very aligned towards a North Star, and then either having, you know, um, objectives and key results and or having leading and lagging indicators that can be easily digested in one to two to three to four like main dashboards column whatever that allow leaders to have the visibility to make the decisions right with predictability so for marketing that could just be again leading indicators lagging indicators leading is going to be i don't know i mean there's so much scott i mean as you know on linkedin there's so much discussion over this but like you know there could let's just call it website sessions let's call it like accounts penetrated uh through ad frequency and then let's say it's like you know mqls and opportunities um for sales leaders it could just be you know how many meetings are we having um out of those meetings how many have booked a, d- a follow-up demo for, you know demo to opportunity usually it's a combination of activity and then conversion rates and then you know for success it could be something different but to re To reiterate all that it's having some type of like shared vision right that everybody agrees on shared taxonomy of revenue terms one to five dashboards that everybody uses to guide that vision and then a departmental level making sure they have the visibility into what they need
0: got it so it sounds like having a a clear vision on those key metrics you want to want to track and Whether that is, like you say, website sessions, how certain ads that you're running are performing, how many meetings are being held, how many of those are progressing to second meeting or demo, and I'm guessing deal one, depending on sales cycle and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's it. When you think about it, it's going to be three things, right? It's going to be
1: volume, which is the number off, MQLs, SQLs, whatever it may be. It's going to be conversion rates, right? So like those conversion rates can be on the website, which you know very well or it can just be conversion rates from you know stage to stage, and then it's gonna be time-bound, right? So it's like, how many days did it take till X happens? Um, and that's usually in the form of sales cycle. If you can get clarity on those three and have your data in a position to where you can trust it, and the output of that is those three types of metrics, I think you're in a pretty good place. That being said, it's, it's not the easiest thing to
0: do. Hmm. Any other big mistakes that you see B2B companies make on this front?
1: Um, You know, I, I think not treating their technology as a revenue generating asset, right? Like I think when you like just look at like a business level and you look at the investments you make, like OpEx, CapEx, all that stuff, right? Like your technology, like when you purchase customer, you know, when you purchase a CRM, it's literally called customer relationship management software, right? It's to, better, um, it's to better serve your customer. Like that is the goal. And then the secondary goal should be to empower your team to do their job better So in service of the customer. I think people just get solution after solution without taking the time to really put in a plan around it, right? To say like, how are we going to make it so people get the most out of this investment? If you buy a gym for your house and it's $10,000, Pretty damn well sure you're going to put in place a plan to make the best of it. You're not just going to let it sit in the corner, right? Um, Or at least you're going to try not to. So, and in return, that gym is going to make you healthier. It's going to make you happier. I'm a big fitness guy. So I I just think it's the same thing with technology. Um, Again, it's very cliche, but, you know, people will onboard HubSpot and then they'll literally start getting something else. And I'll be like, hey, did you know that HubSpot can actually do this? And it can do it pretty much just as well. So instead of having two solutions, why don't we just have one? Optimize that, really optimize it, right? Mm. And then when we say that it's we can't, we've reached like our nadir on that, like we've gotten to the top of the mountain, then we can evaluate bringing something in, right? And like an example might be if your sales team grows and they just need like automatic routing, and then you know Chili Piper comes into play that's an example, right? You scale from like five to 20 salespeople. And then it's like, Hey, maybe, maybe we just need something a little bit more robust than HubSpot, even though they've come out with, you know, some things to combat that, but that's just an example I could use.
0: Yeah. 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 Nice. I like it. So it sounds like just making sure you're you're putting to play the tools that you've got, getting the best bang for buck out of them, really. So in your case, you obviously do a lot of HubSpot work and making sure you're, utilizing the key key features of it so if yeah, you want to see yes. metrics then let's report on i the think public. you probably know
1: well it's like when a new cmo comes on it's like hey we want to like to, you know build a new website and then you probably take a look at the website you're like well we could or you could optimize these 10 things right like we could optimize page speed or we could you know clean up the navigation or we could do a brand refresh it's just and i'm not saying it's just i used to do web development and. You know, it would always be like, "Let's tear it up," and I'm like, "But you're not even utilizing kind of what you have, right? Like the infrastructure isn't there." So it, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Let's um, putting kind of software and tools to one side. Uh, as I often do, I like to get a bit controversial and a bit have have different opinions on on topics on this show. So when it comes to RevOps, what team should be responsible for what? A lot of people on LinkedIn are saying revenue is a team sport. I see a lot of companies now actually make their marketing leaders, whether that's VP of marketings or CMOs, responsible for the outbound motion. So I've seen SDRs report to marketing leaders. I've seen it the other way, where their outbound team reports to a sales leader. Um, We've seen marketing with companies like Cognizant, where marketing and demand generally running a nearly kind of, I think, 60 or so percent of qualified opportunities when I last checked. Something like that could be wrong on the stat. Yeah. So a lot of B2B orgs, whether they're tech, whether they're service-based, kind of scale their – or build up, rather, their revenue teams in different ways. In your opinion, what's the right way it should be? (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's a good question. I mean, it's interesting that you say that. Like, I I talked to a founder two weeks ago, and, you know, I asked him to tell me teams he had. One team was – he had a digital marketer and then he had demand generation. But guess what? Outbound was sitting underneath demand. That was the first time I'd heard that, right? I, I was actually kind of taken aback. I, I hadn't heard of that structure before. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, I talked to another company where the marketing leader wasn't in charge of ICP, wasn't in charge of TAM, wasn't in charge of data. That all sat underneath revenue operations, which guess what? It, it caused a silo. Um, And then, yeah, like a lot of the times, if you think about technology, technology investment is owned by marketing, right? Um, But that doesn't always work. I would say, in my opinion, what probably works the best, and this really only works if you are at a bit larger organization, is where you have a member from each one of those customer-facing departments, along with IT and revenue operations, have a sort of um, almost a board that sits across. Across the organization that communicates that, um, isn't afraid to give differing opinions meets in a neutral way to basically act as a shared revenue function. Now, again, like this is also new and this is why I don't maybe have the best answer, but it's like, I mean, I talk to CROs in the CR role that, you know, they own a little bit of marketing, right? There's like almost encroachment on like marketing from what they're doing. So I would say, in my opinion, that's probably best, but that requires an organization to be a bit more mature. And I would say, other than that, it's really going to be just dependent on, you know, the size of your organization, organization, size of your team. I wouldn't say it's a controversial answer, but like for my opinion, what I've seen that works the best, that's it. That where you have a representative from each department that is senior enough to advocate for them, but then is also working together towards a shared objective and those are revenue goals. Now, can you like completely get rid of the MQL, SQL and just be like, ah, F it? like we're just going to, i don't know i don't think that works honestly i think the mql has gotten hammered to the ground but the reality is eight out of ten conversations i have it's still there so i think what i try to do is just clearly freaking define the thing right like what is it why is it you know instead of doing like one lead score property let's have a demographic lead score let's have a behavioral let's have a firmographic so Mm -hmm. we have like a full vision of that customer and then let's iterate the hell out of it. Like we test everything else, right? Um, the idea that you like have an MQ and an SQL and the definition never changes from when you're at 1 million to 10 million. It's kind of just, it's kind of idiotic. It's like the SEO is dead people. I don't know. I'm, you know, am I, I'm, I'm, I have an SEO background. I would never be at your skill level, but I, I still... Anytime I look at something, I have my keywords everywhere. I'm looking at search volume and it's not dead. And it's never going to be dead, you know, and it's got its place. So it LinkedIn's an echo chamber one. Uh, I think it's very easy. And I've been it too, right? You over rotate on the soup du jour, like demand gen. Everything else has got to go. The reality is it's always somewhere in the middle, right? It's different for every organization. It's different for every industry. and I think all I'm talking about, really, when I talk about the perfect revenue structure is just processing people, right? Like, how do we optimize that?
0: Mm. You know, um, a lot of SaaS companies, tech companies still go with the kind of classic re- predictable revenue model, which pff, I don't know if it's still as strong as it was, where they'll still go out and they, most of the time they'll get funding. Yep. And they'll they'll hire a bunch of SDRs or BDRs and then a bunch of AEs and do that classic route. And it feels like a, a significant chunk of the budget goes into the outbound motion on those sales reps, bearing in mind kind of the rough cost per sales reps, about 60K a year. That's excluding any comms. Um, and then they'll kind of allocate the rest of the budget to whether that's inbound marketing, whether that's demand gen or however they see it. Do you think that model is still effective for revenue teams?
1: I don't honestly, um, and that's nothing against SDRs. Um, look, a lot of my clients have VC pressure, right? Like when you get a big chunk of change, there needs to be you need you need to meet the need of the people who've invested in you, and usually those needs are somewhat disproportionate to the reality of the situation. So I think we're all pretty aware that. And i'm going to choose my words carefully there's just more pressure than ever right so like uh-huh. you come into a situation and you know the sales cycle's six to nine months but people expect results from marketing and three what's tangible right is an sdr calling somebody them getting the lead and then that lead progresses to a closed one right it's very tangible you can touch it we all know the attribution issues with marketing at some point and i'm not the first person to say this but marketing really became like i think i saw it's like chris walker who said it but marketing became almost like a sales function right it's like what can we do from a short-term perspective to capture demand and then convert that demand the problem with that is further down the line like that demand goes away and then you're basically behind everybody else so what i would say is i have i'm not like anti sdr i'm super pro sales but i'm i'm i want to do it in a way that's very smart so if we're going to do what you just talked about right and say we've got an account list of 2000 people i want marketing to also understand who those 2000 accounts are i want marketing to ensure that we're running you know paid against those accounts as best that we can through linkedin through programmatic media where we know that we're all kind of singing the same choir sheet, right? We're singing the same messages. We have a playbook at the sales level and we're sharing information between the two. So it's more in unison as opposed to what I see in that, hey, guess what? Like we're going to get tech target MQLs, right? Which again, I didn't say it, no offense to tech target, but we're going to get content syndication MQLs. We're going to dump them in the CRM. We're going to have the SDRs call them we're going to have them email them through our main domain we're not going to get through to that then marketing's going to be off doing something else and it's not cohesive so i think what works is a a cohesive strategy and i think that requires people in process and so it just goes back to really what i was saying there's i don't think there's a right way right like the reality is if you're in a market and there's just not a lot of demand to capture. Right. And you have VC pressure. You're going to run out of money. You got to do something. And the quickest thing to do is pick up the phone and call. It's it's email. It's LinkedIn. And that's just the reality. But I think you can do it in a way that's smart. Mm. Um, and I don't think that should be controversial. I'm, yeah. I'm, what do you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to chip in my two cents. I think some of those points are fair. I think like you say, it depends on your industry. Right. If you're in a well-known category where there's a ton of people searching for what you do, then outbound initially is not going to make that much sense because you can just dump your cash into things like paid ads, review sites, SEO, and just capture all those prospects that are actively in the market for what you do. And obviously, once you exhaust that, that's when you want to think about things like demand generation, doing some outbound sales as well. But if you are in a category that's not as well-known, that's a bit more niche, and there's not many people searching for what you do because they don't know it exists, then that's what, and on the basis that you've got a decent ticket size value, so you're not selling kind of a real small um, costing item, then outbound sales makes sense. But I think as the tech crunch is hitting, I think sales reps, in my opinion, should be more full cycle. Mm-hmm. So able to hunt their own food, so able to prospect, whether that's cold outbound calling, LinkedIn, email, whatever, so able to run all that stuff themselves as one single sales rep, but also the ability to deal with any inbound leads, whether they come from, I don't know, the website direct or other means and able to handle those effectively. So they're kind of giving you a double hit rather than just doing a bit of outbound, generating the meeting that you've then got to send to an AE. You've got someone that's kind of fully equipped, which is probably going to be a bit more of an investment, but I think going to be more useful So these higher yeah. ticket solution orgs.
1: I agree. I think a lot of what I'm saying is probably colored by maybe just some of the engagements I've had where I've seen that pressure. And it's kind of like, it's kind of hard for marketing to say like, Hey, we need like six to nine to 12 months. Right. So it's, uh, Mm. unfortunately I'm, I'm colored by that a little bit, but I would agree with a more, um, full cycle. And like you said, like, sales some sdrs starting to report into marketing you know like I've, a lot of people have talked about that i i think we need to try new things i mean that I'm, I'm definitely on board with you know um i just think everything works together in concert like one of the first things i always tell my clients it's like hey guys like instead of doing paid right like if we have the it, it, easiest win not you know easiest win for me is like if i see a cpc that's 14 bucks but the search volume is 5200 and it's that tells me people are bidding on it and it usually drives revenue so why don't we just create some killer content around that own it because you can do that in one to six months right again you know better than me but like there's low-hanging fruit that i think people ignore um because it takes a little bit more work but we've definitely worked with startups where yeah like when we started out search volume one there and then you know they kind of owned it and then that was a great baseline to build on while they do all these other things but like everybody's like, don't do SEO. And it's like, no, it's not, that's not right.
0: Yeah. It's, it's all in context, right? It's all with, when it comes to kind of revenue, it's, I always think is assess who your focus market is, who's your focus client, where is the quickest possible route to market? Like yeah, what What is going to be their no brainer channel that they're going to be on most of the time or where are they going to go if they need your offer, or if they have the problem you fix? Or where are they going to educate themselves? Start with there, yeah. Start with those no-brainer couple channels, and kind of work up as you as the revenue flows, as as you get cash flow, as you get customers. Then start worrying about kind of growth and, and things like that. Is agreed, is smart,
1: Usually. Cool, man.
0: <laughs> Usually, cool, Pasha. Well, look, appreciate the combo. And um, thanks for sharing your thoughts and insights, all things RevOps, much appreciated with that. Please do tell everyone tuning in on how they can learn more from yourself or connect with you and and your site.
1: Yeah, uh, so Pasha Irshad on LinkedIn, I'm on there pretty much daily. And then my website, shapeandscale.co. It's
0: been a pleasure, man. No worries, man. So we'll put all of those links in the show notes in the description. And um, once again, thanks very much for coming on the show. Great. It's great to be here. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, dude. And if you want to check out the episode, it's going to be over at businessgrowth.marketing. And if you enjoyed it, give us a quick rating. Or if you've got time, a review is appreciated on Apple Podcasts, helps us get found. And we'll catch you on the next one for more No BS B2B marketing tips and insights to grow your business and revenue. Cheers for tuning in.